If you have been with us for any stretch of time, you know that we are in the book of 1 Corinthians, which is a letter that Paul wrote to a church that he had planted a few years earlier. Things were not going well. There were a lot of problems that the church was experiencing that they were going through, a lot of ways that they weren't displaying the gospel well, a lot of ways they had rejected Paul. Things just weren't good. And so Paul was writing them a letter to correct them in these things, but they'd also ask him a few different questions, either through messenger or through letters. They'd ask him some questions, and he was answering some of those questions. Last week, we looked at one of those. Hey, Paul, uh, man, love what you were doing here, but meat sacrifice to idols. What do we do with that? What happens when it's in the marketplace? Can we eat that? Can we not? What about when it's at a friend's house? And Paul talked with him through that. Um, And then today, there's another question that he was covering. But they asked this question in a way that they were looking for a pat on the back because they believed that they were handling it well. And he was talking about the the area or the the, uh, sacrament of communion or, or the Lord's Supper. And I don't know if you've, uh, if you're new here and you've never experienced a communion before, but communion can be an awkward thing. Let, let me explain to you. Uh, has anyone here ever tried to impress someone that they had a crush on, that they liked? Anyone? Okay, so some of you can relate to this. When I was uh, junior in high school, 17 years old, which was 20 years ago, Yikes, yeah, I know, I look young, but I'm not, Um, old soul. Anyway, uh, so 17 years old, there was this girl that I had a crush on, we kind of had a little little summer romance, and after, you know what happens, you know, at camp, you know, you're away from the world, and things go a certain way, and then you go back, you know, to normal life, and things change. Well, they hadn't changed for me, but I felt like they were starting to change for her, which was no good, and so I was under enormous pressure to try and, you know, win her heart back, and here's what the thing is when you're in this position you know that everything you say and everything that you do can and will be held against you in the court of love like like every moment their their feelings towards you is on the line a lot of pressure so I decided to go visit her she lived in a town that was about five hours away in Arkansas and it was a small town I mean a really small town they had one stoplight And when I say stoplight, I mean a blinking light. Not even one of the real stoplights. It's just on a wire, you know what I mean? There aren't even any any poles. Okay, so so it's a blinking light. So that means they only have one main road that gets the blinking yellow, and then they've got one kind of road that gets the blinking red. You know the one that gets left out, right? Everyone has to stop at. Okay, so that was their town. They had one fast food restaurant. Lucky for them, it was America's favorite drive-in, Sonic. But still, they had no other choices. They just had Sonic. That was it. And there were three, cho- uh, three uh, churches that the entire town went to. You either went to the Baptist church, not, not even first or second, just the, the Baptist church. You had the Catholic church and you had the Pentecost, the, no, I'm sorry, the uh, Episcopal church. These were the only three options in the town that they had. So I go to, the t- to town to, to impress her. I'm staying with her family and on Sunday morning we go to church. They went to the Episcopal church. Now, this town, everybody knew everyone. You went to the same school, K through 12, right? Same school, you had all the same friends since you were born, and your friends' parents were your parents' friends and grandparents, and everyone knew everyone, everyone knew everyone's business, and in the church that you went to, you grew up in, you, you went there your entire life. So you were very familiar with everything that went on in the church. Now, my church background was a Bible church. It was very informal. 
Uh, you could wear whatever you wanted. You didn't have to dress up. You could wear shorts. You could wear flip-flops. You could wear a t-shirt. No big deal. Uh, when you walked in the, in the building, you could yell across the room and say hi to someone. Uh, we rocked out to some sweet 70s worship. Uh, Jehovah Jireh. I don't know if anyone remembers that one. So good. We played that one every week. Our, our, our worship pastor loved that one. Or maybe it was only one of the ones he knew. But, but we rocked out to Jehovah Jireh. Um, and, and, and that was my experience. That was what I knew. That's what I was comfortable in. Well, she went to an Episcopal church. You dress up for an Episcopal church, or at least theirs. And then there are a number of things that you do that everyone already knows what to do, except for the one person who sticks out like a sore thumb, okay? You have to kneel at certain times. You have to stand at certain times. You have to sit at certain times, stand, kneel, sit uh, over and over for, for certain reasons. And then there are a number of prayers that everyone repeats. And then you would think they'd have a book that just tells you what the prayers are, but everyone has it memorized. They don't need it. Okay, there's some call and response things that everyone has memorized because they've done it every single week since they were born, except me. So it's just, it's just an awkward situation. It was a very formal setting. Uh, the, the, uh, the pastor, which I think was called the bishop, he had a formal robe that was very ornate and he had a, a formal hat uh, that, was, that was very ornate and they had uh, this procession with, with candles and maybe some incense uh, and, and everything was just very serious and that's not what I was used to. So I was just uncomfortable trying to impress this girl, trying to impress her family and I'm in this church which was an uncomfortable situation for me. Well, everything was okay. Like I, I was fine with all that until we got to communion. Now, I didn't know this at the time, okay? Now I know. But communion is done differently at different churches. The practicality of how you do it is done differently. The way that we did it at my church is we had uh, the, the giant silver platters that, that had those lids with the cross on it. And, and there, was, there was bread in there that was already broken for you. And you'd pass around, you'd take your bread, everyone hold it. And then the pastor would say, all right, let's eat this together. And we would eat it together. And then they would pass around the, 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 the silver one with all the little holes for the little cups uh, they pass around that, and then, then we would wait. We'd all take it together, and then, then we uh, would sing songs, and, and that, that was it. Like, like, that's how we did it. Well, I didn't know this, but not every church does it that way. Because the practicality of how communion is taken, that, that's not something uh, that, that, has, uh, that, that matters to an extent that, that we need to, you know, that, that, that makes you a Christian or not, or there's a right or wrong way to take it. If you do it a little bit differently, that's okay. Here at Mosaic, what we do is we have uh, a cup of wine and a cup of juice, and we've got uh, some, some matzah that we break off for you, and you dip it into the wine or the juice. Like, that's okay that we do it that way. There, there, there's nothing uh, of spiritual significance in the way that we do this, okay? But I just didn't know. Okay, so, so what happened is, first of all, they called us up to the front row by row. And so now I'm in front of the entire church, me and like five other people kneeling down. There's a, there's a little place where you kneel down. Uh, and, and so I'm uncomfortable. I'm in front of everyone now. Everyone I know is looking at me. And, and the bishop comes by and he hands me a little wafer. And I'm thinking, Oh, I know how this goes. I just wait until he tells us to eat it all together and we're good to go. So I'm just hanging out with the, with the wafer. But then he never says that. And so I'm, I start to panic and everyone's kneeling and they're, they're praying. I probably should have been, but I was not. I was freaking out. And so I look to my left where she was and her, her wafer was gone. And, and I was like, uh-oh. And I look to my right where her dad was. I was in between her and her dad. Oh, and his wafer was gone. And so immediately I panic. 
I, I, I don't choose. I'm like, as nonchalantly as possible, pop it in my mouth, eat it, and then, and then put my head down uh, like I'm praying, and I feel like I'm good to go. I've, I've dodged a bullet. We're okay. Until I look up, and the bishop is coming by, and he, and he doesn't have a bunch of little cups to drink from. He just has one. And I'd played musical chairs, and so I knew that there's not enough in this world, and if you don't get the chair, things, bad things happen. There was only one, and they weren't drinking from it. They were dipping their wafers that they had magically disappeared earlier, <laughs> right? So, so now I'm kneeling for the entire church in a very solemn, serious time, and, and I know that I'm being judged by everyone. I'm in between her, I'm in between her father, and I don't have a wafer. <laughs> I don't have anything to dip in the cup when the guy comes by, right? And so when he comes by, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do because if I, if I don't start taking communion, her dad's gonna think I'm not a Christian and because we're in Arkansas, I know he owns a gun and so I don't know what's gonna happen there. I know that she is just, you know, she's gonna reject me for sure and the only thing that came to my mind was I whispered, I'll pass. <laughs> now, I'm not a surgeon, not a brain scientist, you know, it's just but I could have come up with something better than I pass, okay? <laughs> I pa really, I pass. Well, it gets worse. I don't know if the guy was trying to make a point or if he might have been a little hard of hearing, but he didn't hear me. <laughs> and so he, he stopped. Now everyone is looking at me and he says, excuse me? And, and I'm like, I'll pass. So needless to say, she passed on me, and it didn't go well. Uh, it was bad. Um, but here's the thing, guys. Communion can be awkward, and it's not just the practicality of how it works. You know, what, what am I supposed to do in this moment? Am I supposed to sit? Am I supposed to stand? Am I supposed to pray? Am I supposed to eat? Am I supposed to drink? How did this work? Like, that can be awkward. If you've never been, uh, you know, a part of a church where they do communion, that's kind of awkward. But, but it's worse than that, Okay. Because you hear a pastor say something to the effect, reading uh, what, what Jesus said, and he says, this is my body broken for you, take and eat it. This is my blood poured out for you, take and eat it. That's strange, okay? I mean, and that sounds like something out of Vampire Diaries. <laughs> Let's be honest, right? That's weird. E eating someone's flesh, drinking someone's blood, that sounds weird, that sounds strange, so if you're new here, if you've ever had an experience like that, man, I can feel your pain. It, it can sound very awkward, which is why I love that Paul addresses this in 1 Corinthians, why they had a question about this. So we're going to jump in and we're going to look at the significance of communion of the Lord's Supper. So why don't you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to start out in verse 17. Now, Paul, last week, we, we were talking about him talking about food sacrificed to idols, which was a question they had. And then this is another question that they had, but here they were thinking they were doing things well. They were looking for a pat on the back. And Paul starts off, and it's not how they had hoped. Verse 17, Paul says, But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. Whew. We know it's going to get bad here, right? When, when they were coming together for the Lord's Supper, for communion, not only was it not going uh, well, it was bad. Like, like they, were, they were doing some things that were very offensive. 
And so Paul begins to jump into it. In verse 18, he says, For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. Now, a lot of scholars believe that Paul is quoting them right here, that they had this saying um, in verse 19, for there must be factions among us in order that uh, those who are genuine may be recognized. Either way, Paul is saying, I believe that there are, okay, I've heard that there are factions, that there are separations, that there are div- divisions and segregations among you, and I believe it. I, I, I've been around you. I, I know you. I believe it, right? I, I believe what I'm hearing. These sources are credible. And he says, verse 20, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. Right? They think they're coming together to eat the Lord's Supper, right? And Paul's saying, no, no, by the way you're doing it, I know it demonstrates clearly that you have no idea what you're doing. Kind of like me at the, uh, the, the, the Episcopal Church. I, obviously, I had no idea what I was doing because otherwise I would have been so concerned about myself and what people were thinking and all this. There was some, there's some deep spiritual significance, right? And they had no idea. Paul said, when you do it, it's not the Lord's Supper. He says, for an eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? He doesn't give them two great, great, great choices. He's like, either you have your own houses to eat and drink in, or you despise the church of God and you humiliate one another. Now, this could be a little bit confusing in our context because we just break off a little piece of bread and we dip it in. And, and I, whether you choose the wine or the juice, you're not getting drunk off that, right? right? You're not getting full off the little wafer. What they would do is they'd have a big meal. If you remember uh, when Jesus had his last supper, this, he was celebrating a Passover meal, which was a big meal. And at the end of the meal, he, he stood up and he, he broke the bread and he gave them the cup. So it was a big meal, and they continued in that tradition as they would have a great big meal together, and then at the end, or at some point, they would do uh, the Lord's Supper. And Paul is saying, but, but you obviously have no clue what you're doing because of the way it's playing out. They had different groups, right? There were people that were wealthy, and there were people that were poor. There were people that were powerful and people that were weak. There were people that were popular and unpopular. They had these different uh, separations and segregations. And what happened is the people that were rich and powerful were getting together and they were eating this great big meal, this wonderful meal, and they weren't allowing these other groups of people that they weren't uh, associating with, that they felt better than. They weren't letting them be involved in the meal. And then then they would come at the end for the, the Lord's Supper portion And they were humiliating these people, these brothers and sisters in Christ, these men and women that God had died for, they were humiliating them. They're supposed to be the church of God, the body of Christ, a beacon of light, right? On a hill shining for everyone to see the great love of God. They were supposed to be a shining example of Christ's love in their unity, together in their love for one another and instead they who were supposed to be a beacon of light were shaming the name of Jesus they were taking for granted the work that he did on the cross and they were segregating they were humiliating one another it's just awful Paul said I mean it's like I cannot believe what you're doing it's demonstrating that you have no clue what you're doing, what you're a part of. No, 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 no concept of the weight of what you're being a part of. 
He says, what shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. I'm not going to commend you. I'm not going to pat you on the back. You're defaming the name of Christ. You're humiliating one another. You're separating and segregating when you're supposed to be unified. You're destroying the gospel. Can you, I mean, can you imagine? Verse 23, Paul says, okay, he says, okay, let me, let, me just, let me just break it down for you. I'm going to explain to you what is going on so that you know. He says, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. So Paul is saying, hey, this is divine revelation. This is direct revelation from God. God has delivered this to me, and I'm going to deliver it to you. This is important. This is weighty. Pay attention. It says that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup. After supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you, eat in, as, you, uh, as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Number of beautiful things in here that we have, that, that, that Paul has given to us or, or God through Paul. One is, he's not saying you have to do this every week. He's not saying you have to do this once a month or once a quarter. He just says as often as you do this, as often as you come together for the Lord's Supper, we do this quarterly here at Mosaic. He says do it in remembrance of Jesus. And, and, and what I see, there, there are three pieces uh, to this that will make it the Lord's Supper. And Paul lays them out. The first thing is there's a physical piece. Right? There is a, an actual piece of bread or unleavened bread or matzah that, that you have. And there is a physical cup of, of wine or, or juice. Right? There's something physical that is happen, happening. You are, you are taking, you are dipping, and you are eating. Or you are eating it and then you are, you are drinking this. Something is happening, okay? There's a physical piece. And the Corinthians were participating in the physical piece, right? They were doing this physical action. But there's more than just the physical. There's also a mental piece. There's the remember piece. And this gets split up into two sections. The first section is this. There's something that happened in history that we are supposed to think about. When we, in, in our American context, think about the word remember, we, we just think about something that had happened previously. And there's something that happened previously of great spiritual significance, okay? The God of the universe decided that he wouldn't leave us to our sins, uh, to death and destruction, but he would enter into our world, take on flesh, as Jesus, the Son of God, live a sinless life, then take upon our sin upon him as he was killed in a torturous way on the cross and then raised to new life. And Paul is saying, quoting Jesus, remember what I'm doing. Remember what I'm doing because sin needs atonement. You can't just be right with God. You can't just be like, oh God, we're good to go. I know I've, I've done some things that were foolish and I've rebelled against you. No big deal. Sin's a big deal. Sin is a huge deal. And we learned this even at the beginning with Adam and Eve. They, they sinned and they tried to cover themselves with leaves. And God said, no, I'm going to give you animal skins, right? Something has to die to atone for your sins. We see this in the history of Israel, right? Uh, with, with lambs, uh, with goats, with bulls. They would sacrifice animals and, and the blood would make atonement for their sins, 
There has to be atonement for your sins. And what Jesus did is he made this atonement. He made the way for us to be right with God so that we, his children, could approach the throne of grace with confidence. Jesus did this. And when we eat and when we drink, we are supposed to recall this event and the great spiritual significance it had. Now, there's another piece in the Jewish context, the word remember was more than just thinking about a past event. It was, it was you were supposed to put yourself into that past event. When, when the people of Israel were told to remember the Exodus, remember God bringing them out of Egypt, he, it wasn't that they were supposed to remember how their forefathers were, were brought out of Egypt, but they were supposed to say, okay, God brought me out of Egypt. I was a slave in Egypt. I was saved by God out of Egypt. There was this, this way in which they would actually put themselves in the situation that happened because it had significance beyond the time that it happened. There's an actual putting yourself in the situation. And Paul explains this just a little bit in chapter 10. We were, we were there last week, but here's what he says in verse 16. He says, the cup of blessing that we bless, this is the, the, the communion cup. He says, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? When we take communion rightly, when we engage in the Lord's Supper in a godly manner, not only do we physically eat and mentally remember, but we put ourselves in the situation. We, and he'll say this later, we examine ourselves, we examine our lives where we've fallen short, where we have sinned, where we have rebelled against God. Have I lusted this week? Have I gossiped about someone this week? Have I been angry? Have I said some things I shouldn't have said? And, and, and we examine ourselves and bring this before God put ourselves in the situation where, where, where Jesus is actually paying for our sins. Like he, he did this, we're supposed to remember, be there in the situation. And in that, there's a spiritual participation in what Jesus did. Like we, as, as the body of Christ, get a unique opportunity to encounter the cross in a special way as we take communion. This is amazing what we get the opportunity to do. This is a beautiful thing. But here's what happened. Verse 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. This is a big deal. Communion isn't just another meal that we eat. It's not just putting bread and wine in our mouth. There's, there's more going on. And, and, and think about this. For, pretend for a second you're God the Father, ruling over all of creation. And you, because of your great love for humanity, send your own son to take care of the problem of sin so that they might, this, this humanity that you created that rebelled against you might be invited back into relationship with you. You send your son, your son lives a perfect life. He is tortured to death. He takes all of their sin upon himself. Dies for their sin, raises to new life. And, and now you invite the people into your family because of the blood of Jesus and they just basically spit on what he did. I mean, they, 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 don't even, they don't even remember what he did. They're taking lightly what Jesus did on the cross. Can you imagine being the father these people that you invited in are now taking for granted and, and, and making what he did lower and lesser than it's supposed to be. I and mean, this is huge 
what he did. And Paul is saying, when you take this in an unworthy manner, it's, it's not okay. He says, let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. This is the deal. This is what they weren't doing. They were not examining their life. They weren't saying, hey, this thing that I'm remembering, that I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to eat in, in remembrance of, there's something that happened that has significant spiritual impact in my life. This is why I can have a right relationship with God. And so I am to bring my sin before the Father. I'm to bring it before the Father and, 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 and allow Him to forgive me. Hey, how cool is that, right? We, we don't have to be perfect. There are no perfect people taking communion, okay? No, no perfect people taking communion. That's not what it's about. It's about people that are imperfect coming and being honest about their struggles, honest about where they haven't done well, where they haven't done right, where they have offended God. And even honest in saying, God, I probably offended you in ways I don't even know. Reveal to me what those are. And we, we examine our lives and we bring our sin before the Lord as we take communion and we put ourselves in the situation and remember Jesus' blood covering our sin, paying the penalty for our sin. This is what Paul says to do rightly. He says, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. Wow, right? Wow. This is why some, many of you are weak and ill and some have died. Now, one thing we've, we need to be clear about, there are two ways that Scripture talks about things. It talks about things in a prescriptive way, saying this is the way things are and will always be. And it, sometimes it talks about things in a descriptive way, saying this is the way things happened. But that's not necessarily how they're going to continue to happen. Okay, when, when we look at, at David, uh, the, the, the great king of Israel, it, it talks about how he uh, slept with his best friend's or his good friend's wife, and then he had his good friend killed on the front lines. It describes that in the Bible, but it's not saying this is what you should do. It's not prescribing this. It's not saying, hey, this is the good way to act. It's just saying, this is what happened. Right? There, was, there were times in the early church where God acted in extreme ways to protect the gospel. And if you remember when we were here in the book of Acts talking about Ananias and Sapphira, right? they lied to Peter, lied to the whole, and then thus lied to the Holy Spirit, and they were struck down dead immediately. In the early church, God did some extreme things to protect the church, to protect the gospel, to protect his people. And what Paul is saying, it doesn't say, he's not prescribing this. He's not saying this is what will always happen. Not every time that you take in an unworthy manner, you'll die. He's not saying that. He's just saying, I'm looking at what has happened in your community and because I've got special spiritual insight because God reveals stuff to me, I know that it's because you are doing this in such a horrifying way, forsaking what Jesus did, not displaying the gospel, segregating, humiliating one another. And this is, this is serious. Now, although this isn't necessarily the way that God interacts with us now, we should look at this and say, okay, this is a big deal. It's a big deal. Lying to the Holy Spirit, big deal. Taking communion in a way where we're not examining, where we're not remembering, where we're not praising Jesus for what he did, that's a big deal. We need to take this seriously. But, but oh, I love God in the way he does this. this, I mean, this let me tell you, this is beautiful. When he goes back, he says, if you do it in an unworthy manner, you eat and drink judgment on yourself. Now he explains this. This is great. Verse 31, he says, but if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. So first of all, if you examine yourself, no worry, no fear. If you bring your sin before God, that, 
that's the way you're supposed to do it. You failed. I failed. We've all failed. We're all sinners saved by grace, right? If you, bring, if you examine yourself, you're not going to be judged. But he says, but when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined. This word, this word is, it is I mean, it makes it so beautiful. Psalm 23, uh, one of the most famous psalms. Jesus says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, or David says it. He makes me lay down in green pastures. And he talks about his rod and his staff. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do you know what a rod and a staff are used for by a shepherd? <laughs> to whack his sheep. That's, that is, right? A shepherd would go along, a sheep would get out of line, he would whack it. Why? So the sheep wouldn't die. So we wouldn't fall off a cliff, so we wouldn't go drown, so we wouldn't get eaten by wolves. Because the shepherd loves the sheep, he disciplines the sheep so they can experience the fullness of life and freedom. And here's what God is doing. is God, in his, in his infinite wisdom and his abounding grace, he disciplines us so that we can live in freedom. Right? So even when we take for granted what Jesus did, even when we don't remember what he did and we take communion in an unworthy manner, when we, we basically are spitting in God's face, God in his abundant love disciplines us for our good. Can you believe that? That's, what, that's how much God loves you. That's how much God loves me. His discipline is for our good and he says it here, he says, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. When we are taking communion in an unworthy manner, God disciplines us so that we can experience fullness of life, abundance and freedom like we talk about all the time here. Communion is a serious thing. It's an important thing because we, the people of God, get the opportunity to encounter the cross in a unique way. And when we take and eat physically, and we mentally remember the, what, what Jesus did historically, when we examine our lives, put ourselves in the situation, and remember allowing, remember just, you know, that Jesus' blood is covering your sin, there is a unique experience with God in that. And I tell you what, I need to be reminded, because I forget, I forget all the time. What would Jesus has done? I forget the significance of what he has done. But when I, when I get the, the opportunity to have communion, take communion amongst the body in a worthy manner, I tell you what, God does a beautiful thing in my heart, in my life. It changes things. It affects things because God loves me. And now, because of the blood of Jesus, I can approach the throne of grace, the throne of God, with confidence. Me, who has sinned, who has fallen short. But because of the blood of Jesus, I can have confidence that I am not condemned, but I am set free by the blood of Christ, that I am a part of his family. This is what we get to do. This is what we get to do today. It's a serious thing. It's a weighty thing but it's a beautiful thing. And even when we mess it up, God's grace disciplines us so that we might experience the fullness of all that God has for us. We're gonna take communion now as, as a family, as a community. And the way that we do it here, I wanna explain it. I don't want anyone to feel confused or awkward because I've been there, I get it. 
we have a number of tables. We have, we have two here. We have two out on the sides. We have a couple in the back. Choose the one that is closest to you. It's not more spiritually significant to get one in the front, right? It really isn't. Like the ones in the back are just as good. Uh, and sometimes they have shorter lines, so it's better. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to break off a, pizza, a piece of matzah. It's going to be like a cracker. And then we have wine and we have juice. And you can choose either one. It doesn't matter which one. When we see in scripture, it says the fruit of the vine. It doesn't say it needs to be wine or juice. You're welcome to take either. The ju- dip it in the wine or dip it in the juice and then eat it. And, and, and then the person that gives you the matzah, they're going to they're, they're gonna say something to help you remember what, it, what is being said. What I want to encourage you to do is if you're here, if you're a believer in Christ and you want to come and remember what Jesus did, if you want to examine your heart and take the Lord's Supper, come. We want you to be a part of this. You don't have to be perfect. If you just sinned while I was preaching and didn't laugh at one of my jokes, like that's okay. If last night, seriously though, if last night you were out and, and, and you, were, you were partying and you did some stuff that you regret and you're ashamed of, it, it's okay. If, if you were mean to your kids on the way to church, if you, if you didn't talk to your spouse in, in a godly way, it's okay, bring that before God because there is now therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ. And if this is, absolutely, amen, yeah, if this is new for you, if you're new to church, if this is all awkward and weird, don't feel like you need to come up here. Man, stay there. No one's looking around. No one's counting heads. Everyone is dealing with their own self, right? We're all dealing with what God is doing in our heart. It's not going to be awkward. It's not going to be weird. No one's going to know. It's just, it's just, you know, we want to invite you to stay here and watch what God is doing. So if you want to come and remember what Jesus did, examining yourself, I invite you uh, to come after I pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so very much for your great, abundant, extravagant love. God, that you sent your son to die for us, even us. I pray that as we enter into communion, that we would examine ourselves that you would reveal to us where we have fallen short, where we have sinned against you, where we have sinned against one another. And I pray that we would have the courage to confess that to you, knowing with confidence because of Jesus we can approach the throne of grace. And I pray, God, for our hearts that we would take communion in a worthy manner and encounter the cross in a unique way as you are giving yourself to us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus we ask these things in his beautiful name, Jesus. Amen.